Jesus reminded us before he ascended back to be with his Father that in this world that we would have trouble, but to take heart because he had overcome the world. What he was meaning is what we focus on this week in particular, from Palm Sunday through Easter, uh, Good Friday when Jesus goes to his death on a cross, and then Easter Sunday when he is raised back to life again. This is Jesus overcoming the world, Jesus overcoming the system of the world, and this is why we have confidence that what he said is really true, because as Christian followers of Jesus, we trust and believe that the resurrection is real. But before a real resurrection can happen, a real death must also happen. When Jesus talks about trouble in the world, a major part of that trouble in the world is hostility. Hostility between people, where there is a lack of peace, what the Hebrews would call shalom, a lack of shalom and a lack of integrity and blessing in all facets of life. This side of eternity, you see, we deal with conflict in our relationships in families, in communities, and certainly in societies, and between societies. There continues to be tremendous conflict. When conflict comes, it is expressed in many ways in our culture today. And it can be expressed from passive-aggressive social media posts all the way up to horrific gun violence that we seem to continually find regularly uh, in our news media and headlines. And it is shocking to us. It's so sad and something we continue to pray for and ask the Lord to change the hearts of people and, and to adjust uh, ways in our country so that uh, these things happen less and less. But you see, the call of God, the call of God in your life is to partner with Jesus in restoring shalom. It is partnering with Jesus in the restoration of shalom into uh, the lives around you and into your society. This is part of what we're talking about in our church when we talk about the full life of Jesus. That our mission is to share with others the full life that Jesus has. But you know what, brother and sister, it is so imperative that we live in the fullness of Jesus' life if we are to call ourselves Christians, we must give not just voice, but we must give demonstration and examples of what the full life of Jesus is all about. You see, conflict and the trouble in the world, conflict comes. And part of the calling of Jesus is to go with him to restore shalom in the world. And this is what life in God's kingdom is all about. In fact, as we continue to focus our attention during these weeks... On the Sermon on the Mount, it is Jesus' primary teaching about what does it mean for you to live in the kingdom of God. What does it mean for you to live in the kingdom of God? And sister, brother, I tell you that the kingdom of God, the presence of Jesus is real and it is powerful and, and it is effective in helping us overcome the troubles of the world and helping us to stand strong in the midst of conflict but to do it in the way of Jesus. To stand in the face of conflict in the way of Jesus. Viewed another way, here's the blessing that comes from conflict. In fact, Ken Sandy, in his book titled The Peacemaker, he says this, that conflict can be an opportunity to glorify God, to serve others, and grow to be like Christ. Conflict can be an opportunity to glorify God, to serve others, 
and to grow to be like Christ. We're going to return to that because it's not just some nice statement. We're going to return to some of the ways that he lays out for us. But first, we want to focus our attention and our ears and our hearts and our minds on what Jesus has said. In our next beatitude, Jesus says these words, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. What does Jesus mean when he says peacemakers, when he refers to that? This is the only time that this particular word is used in all of the New Testament. It is more than mere peacekeepers. Our goal is not to merely keep the peace in the world around us, but it is to be makers of peace, to be actively engaged in pursuing of peace in our relationships and in our world. Scholar A.W. Argyle says, God is not looking for appeasers in the world, but those who are actively overcoming evil with good. Scholar Craig Blomberg says this, that we are to be those who work for shalom and who reconcile others to God and to each other. You see, as we partner with Jesus for the restoration of shalom in the world, We are to seek that they be reconciled with God, and we we do whatever we can to help them be reconciled to one another. But it is so important that we also live lives that are being reconciled to each other. That is part of our modeling to the world that Jesus lives among us, that Jesus' presence is here with us. It's not just about my personal faith. But it's about how my personal faith and your personal faith blend together to create a community that demonstrates the goodness of God and the presence of His Holy Spirit in the way that we go about making peace in our world. How do we participate in such a thing? How do we participate in reconciling others to God? What does it mean for us to participate in helping other people who today are far from God and not at peace with God. Well, a big part of that is learning how and desiring to and stepping into conversations where we we talk to other people about the good news of Jesus. And we invite them into this relationship that God has provided through Jesus. Here's what the Bible says, Colossians chapter 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Listen, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What's that verse referring to? It's the fact that what Jesus did on Good Friday, when he was arrested and taken away and executed on a cross, that he he died in order to take upon our sin, and in so doing, he is removing the hostility, the warlike posture that stands between us and God before one comes into a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, the Bible is very clear that when it describes sin in your heart, my heart, it creates hostility and a conflict with God. But Jesus has died on the cross so that he might make peace. Because he wants to forgive your sin, he invites you to confess that sin. But it starts with your recognition 
that you have sin to confess, and that that sin has put you in hostility with God, not friendship with God. But it is God, out of His grace and mercy, that steps through time, and He comes into the world in the person of Jesus, so that He might draw you into this renewed, peaceful relationship with Himself. And it's something only He can create. And the question today is, have you accepted His offer of peace? Have you accepted His peace treaty? God in Jesus has laid His peace treaty on the table for you to sign and as you confess your sin to Him and you turn from that sin and, and you, you ask Him to be the centerpiece of your life and you, you say, I will follow you all the days of my life, then the Bible says what Jesus has accomplished on the cross to provide peace is now in effect in your life. When you do so, here's what the Bible also says in 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is just what we are. You see, when, when you accept the, the peace treaty that God offers to you in, in Jesus, He adopts you. Another picture of metaphor is that He adopts you as a son or a daughter into His family. Um, it's not just a business transaction. It's a family and relational a change that happens with God. That's what makes this Friday to come good. Because Jesus dies in your place for your sin, the, one, the sinless one for the sinful one. He takes your place there on the cross. And when you and I, when we know peace with God, we are empowered to begin to make peace with others in the way of Jesus. When you, your life now is at peace with God, you are empowered to make peace with others. And when we make peace, you see, we are acting like God. We are doing what God does. God has come in Jesus to make peace with you. And when you go into your world to be a peacemaker, you are acting like God has acted in the world and acting like God has acted to you. And so that, in that way, scholars tell us that that is how we are becoming. We become children, sons and daughters of God. We begin to reflect our Heavenly Father, just like a child grows and begins to take on the characteristics of a parent, and you begin to notice in the way that they behave and laugh and their mannerisms, you begin to know that that child belongs to that parent. So it is. As we practice and make peace in our world and in our relationships, we are demonstrating, we are reflecting the character of God, and therefore we are sons and daughters of Him. We do this in, in the larger world. You see, part of our Christian uh, propulsion forward in our life as we follow Jesus is to do when it, we have opportunity as far as it uh, remains up to us. We pursue peace with all people. In the broader world, Billy Graham, he described uh, that the world needs more peacemakers. And he talks about the numbers of wars fought in the world among various nations between 1480 and 1941. I mean, that's a huge span. And he counts them out. He says Great Britain fought in 78 wars in that period. France, 71. Spain, 64. Russia, 61. Austria, 52. Germany, 23. China, and 11 wars. Japan, 9 wars. 
The United States in 13 wars plus at least 110 against Native Americans. And then Billy Graham goes on in his book uh, titled The Secret of Happiness. He says this, Someone has pointed out that in the past 4,000 years, there has been less than 300 years of peace on the earth. So God calls us, as we have opportunity, into the bigger uh, macro pursuit of peace. But regularly in our lives, it calls you to the smaller, regular, daily realities and the opportunities that present themselves for you to pursue peace, to be a maker of peace, a peacemaker in your world. Now, I want to get very practical with you as I give you some uh, just some tips on how to make this a reality for you. Ken Sandy, in his book, The Peacemaker, he describes three basic ways that people respond to conflict, okay? So conflict comes into your life, and there are three huge and regular ways that people typically choose to respond to the conflict. All sorts of reasons why they might choose a different way. But here are the, here are the three. Number one, conflict comes into your life, and you might choose an attack response. An attack response. You're going to go on the offensive. And, you know, it's a fight fire with fire, that sort of thing. He describes that as being a peace breaker. So instead of pursuing peace, you're, you're more interested in, in, in enforcing your way and enforcing your will upon someone else in the midst of conflict. A second response is this, the escape response, he describes it as. The escape responses. And uh, uh, he describes this not as peace breaker, but as a peace faker. And a peacemaker, I, I describe it as outrage, where uh, when you go on a, a, an attack response, you might be responding out of outrage. When you come to a place of an escape response, it's often, more often, as a pout rage, right? There's something boiling inside, but you're unwilling to express it in a way that's helpful or healthy. And usually, usually what happens is that we want to look good even when things are not. And you know what he says, and I agree with him, is that peace faking, these sort of escape responses are especially common within the church, where often we are more concerned about the appearance of things. I don't want to look disturbed, and so I'm going to put up a pretend facade in front of you, because I don't want to deal with this conflict, and that's not what Jesus calls us to. Jesus does not call you to ignore the conflict in your life, but he calls you to engage the conflict in a healthy Jesus-type way. And it's not easy, but it's possible because Jesus empowers you to do so. The third way is the best way, of course, and that is peace-making response. Not attacking, not escaping, not peace-breaking, not peace-faking, but peace-making. And this is the willingness to work hard and long to achieve true justice and genuine harmony with other people. I want to picture uh, with you what this actually means and looks like. All right? So he describes uh, a bit of a curve. So imagine, imagine a curve. So think about this like a hill, okay? And if you've ever walked on a hill in the icy area, imagine this hill being icy. Uh, on one side, you've got uh, escape responses. So, see if I can write this. Escape. <laughs> escape responses. Alright, not bad. So on one side of the hill, you have escape responses. Over on this side, you have attack responses. 
And here's what happens. If you're standing on a hill in the middle of the ice, you have to watch your footing, right? And if you begin to walk too far to one side, you might lose your footing and slip. So when conflict comes into your life, we have some options in front of us, and we have the tendency at times to either slip down to escape, to ignore, to not deal with conflict as we need to, and then it can begin to fester, right? Betterness can take root in our lives, or... We can slip down the other side. He calls it the slippery slope. We can slip down to this side. And out of our anger, out of our woundedness, we can go on the attack. We can go on the offensive. And generally, neither of these responses tend to bring healing, restoration, or the rest, restoring a shalom in a relationship. And so, you've already guessed it. What is the better response is peacemaking. And to do the harder work is to engage here in peace. Making. Why would we do that? It's because it's the calling of Jesus in your life. It's to be a peacemaker. Not a peace breaker. Not a peace faker. But a peacemaker. He says, if you want to stay on top of the hill, on top of that slippery slope, and to not go down into escapism or only attack, you need to do two things. Here's the advice Ken Sandy gives us. Number one is you need to ask God to help you resist the natural inclination to escape or attack when faced with conflict, okay? So when conflict comes into your life, one of the first things you need to do, brother and sister in Jesus, one of the first things you should do is to ask God for the strength and the wisdom and the clarity to neither go toward escapism or on the attack. Ask God for help and perspective. Number two, he says, to ask God to help you develop the ability to live out the gospel, to actually live out the gospel by using a peacemaking response that is best suited to resolving a particular conflict. I don't have time today to go into all the details about it. I'm going to put these in, in a document. I'm going to paste, post them on the website for you. If you'd like to go back and look at a summary of what Ken Sandy suggests, I would commend to you, if you'd like to learn more about peacemaking, and how Jesus calls us to it, empowers us for it, and some practical ways of making it a reality in your life, in a regular part of your life, to demonstrate the gospel in your life. I would commend to you that you pick up a copy of The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. It's S-A-N-D-E. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Jesus is with you. His way of overcoming the world is through the cross. And He walks with you through your conflict. And He wants to empower you so that you can demonstrate the gospel in your world. I pray so for us, for me, for you. Living God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the reminder that you have called us into peacemaking realities in our relationships. God, we know how difficult this can be. We know how hard it is because our feelings get hurt and, and we, we, we feel the sting of injustice and things that aren't fair. And uh, God, sometimes we just don't know what to do. Sometimes we, we don't even know how important things are. And so we, we need your guidance and your wisdom as we relate to each other. Because it's true that you've said that the world will know a church and that we are followers of you in the way that we love one another. And God... God, we don't always love each other the way we are supposed to. And we don't always pursue making peace the way we are supposed to. 
Because frankly, it's just hard. It's just hard. And it is draining. And it takes so much out of us. But we know that you are a God who fills us with power. You fill us with perspective. You fill us with your presence so that peacemaking might be real in our lives. Not escaping, not attacking, but making peace. So guide us, we pray, Jesus. We have so much to grow in this area. I have so much to grow in this area. And I pray that you would help me, that you would help us. So that our church can be healthy and whole. And we would have a bright future because of your work among us. We pray now in the name of Jesus, in trust and faith. Amen. Thank you.